Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cold Springs Church this morning. Worship team, thank you for that awesome worship set this morning to connect our hearts to Jesus. Amen? Yeah? Yeah. My name is David, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm very glad you're here today as we get a chance to gather together, to worship together, to grow, and to learn together. And if you're joining us on our live stream, we want to thank you for coming and being a part of this as well um, and joining us in that way. You know, Pastor Nick said this, and I just want to uh, emphasize, you know, uh, we live in continuing to be a crazy world in all kinds of ways, but particularly with the COVID that is going on. And one of the things that we really want you to know and emphasize is that we support you in, in what you need to do to be safe. And um, if that's wearing a mask um, that helps you to be safe, we are 100% supportive. If that's creating some physical distance, then that we are completely supportive of that. And we know that everybody is dealing with some different um, dynamics in their own personal lives and the things that they're going through and people they may be caring for and all kinds of dynamics um, within that. And we recognize that, you know, things are much more, we want to make things really black and white, but the world we live in is a lot more, has a lot more complexity than that. And so we're a people of grace. Uh, we're a people of, of seeking to follow God's truth um, through his wisdom. And we're people who are going to accept one another where we are. So we just, I just want to emphasize that. And you'll get, you're going to hear me. You're going to get sick of hearing me saying that. Uh, but, um, but it's so important for me that you understand it, that this would be a place, um, you know, that, that sign is true, that free to be who we are, being transformed into all God wants us to be, that there is a freedom um, here. And, but we know that we're going to meet Jesus and be transformed and grow in his grace. So let's pray before we open up God's word um, today. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that your life and your truth meet us exactly where we are in order to bring conviction, in order to bring hope, to bring life. And I pray today as we open up your words to us, Lord, that you will speak to us. Your spirit will come and um, direct our thoughts and to capture them. And that as we have every thought captured in obedience to Christ, Lord, that we would be transformed, that we would grow, that we would move a little bit closer to living in your grace, in your hope, in your truth, in your love today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, my, um, my father is a chemical engineer, and, um, and he's also... Uh, my, both my parents loved antiques. And so uh, one of the, the things that I remember growing up in our home was the old balance scale. Do you remember the old balance scale? That, uh, and this was sort of a special one because it was in a case with a, a, a glass, you know, encased, uh, and then you could slide it up. And the balance scale was, you know, pretty simple. Is is that, you know, it was, uh, there was a, a fulcrum point in the middle and then what you're trying to do is, is that you're trying to get that balance. Um, and, and then what you do is, is that you put weights on each side, right? And you, you weigh something by knowing what a, a, a known quantity is and then adding. So my dad um, loved to hunt. And uh, I think at one point he was reloading his own you know, stuff. You know, so he put you know, gunpowder on one side that would, would equal the weight that he was trying to get there. And, you know, as I think about this series of Grounded, of the kind of life that we are trying to live, 
it is, it, I think that one of the things that, that we are doing uh, oftentimes that we feel like that we should have is this balanced life. Is, is that we, we should, you know, that what we need to do is we need to figure out um, the life that where we are perfectly centered. And, and that's the ideal life. And if we're not perfectly centered, if we're not living in perfect balance, then there is something wrong with us. And the, and the reality is, is that, you know, life doesn't cooperate. We talked a bit about that last week, right? Life doesn't cooperate very well with us. But still, there's this belief, there's this expectation, is, is that, that we are going to find that perfect center point and that if things get off balance, then the goal is, is that we need to get back and to find that perfect center point as soon as we possibly can. And so there's this, there's this chase that happens, and there's a belief within that. And the belief is, is sort of this if-then belief. The belief is if I have this thing. If I have this possession, if I have this toy, this motorcycle, this car, this, you know, whatever thing it is, this pair of shoes, this piece of jewelry, then something's going to happen. If I have this person, if this relationship is in my life, if God will finally bless me with a a spouse or with a friend or um, with a companion, then... If this job, if I just, if I just had the, the, the perfect job, if I had better employees, or employee, employees, if I had better employers, you know, whichever side of that you were on, then good things. If I have this relationship, if I have this opportunity, if I, I just need that opportunity, I just need that chance. And, and if that chance just presented itself, and so we, we do all of this if I have. Then I will be happy. I'll, I'll finally find the happiness that I've always been looking for. I will be fulfilled. That, that there will be uh, the, the, the things that are missing, the holes that are, I find in my soul, in my, in my emotions, in my heart, they're finally going to be put in there. I'll be satisfied. I'm going to finally be content. You know, one of, the, one of the things about me and my personality that I've come to understand more and more, and I, for a long time, I knew that my theme song was U2's Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. So um, if you're familiar with that, you know, it's this, it's this song, it's like, okay, there, there's, there's always something more out there that I'm going to, you know, that there's another hill. Once I get to the top of this hill, there's always another hill that's going to be the place of, of satisfaction. Maybe that resonates with you. I will finally be at peace. I will finally be content. If then. It's the belief that when then. When I accomplish this task, when I accomplish this thing that's so important, the other side of that is what I'm really looking for. When um, this period of my life is over, 
when my kids are no longer toddlers and driving me crazy, when my kids are no longer teenagers and driving me crazy, when my kids are no longer young adults and driving me crazy, when, when, when. You know, when this season gets through, when I heal from this pain, when, when, when it just stops hurting so much, when I'm no longer consumed by the regrets of the past or, or all of this weight that I carry, and it might depend upon your age too, this is that when my hip stops hurting, when my ankle will stop, start working, when I can get out of bed in the morning and it takes less than five minutes, I don't know, you know, it's this when. When I find what I'm looking for, when I find the right person, when, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. Then I will be satisfied. Then I'll be at peace, finally. Then I'll be content. If, then, when, then. And, and what, it, it, when we get stuck in those things, and let me be completely um, honest and, and sort of challenge is that every one of us lives in this place at times. We live in this belief system. Nobody gets away from this belief system. And what we are doing when we go into that belief system is, is that we are worshiping the idol of equilibrium. Now, Tim Keller, pastor in New York, um, he has this great definition of an idol, and because and, most of us think, well, I don't, you know, I don't worship idols. I mean, come to my house. You know, you're not going to see some, you know, idol thing sitting there, you know, with offerings and stuff there. Well, Tim Keller gives a great definition of idol. He says, what's an idol? It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what God only God can give. And that last part is probably the most apropos for what we're talking about today. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Equilibrium. I'm living, you know, I finally have found the balance point. I found the center. And everything is balanced. You know, equilibrium is this, a state in which opposing forces or influences are balanced. Um, a calm state of mind. And in chemistry, a state in which a process and its reverse are occurring at equal rates so that no overall change is taking place. So if you think about uh, when an object is, in a, is at rest, you could say it's in equilibrium. This cup is in equilibrium. They're, the forces of the table pushing up are equal to the forces of the cup and the water in it pushing down. And that's what we sort of look for. It's like, I want, I want equilibrium. I want, I want the, the state of rest. And you know, there's actually a name for that, right? There's an ultimate name for that. And the ultimate name for that is death. Is death. I have a clock in my office I got from my dad here recently. My dad, again, he likes old things and he likes to fix old things. And so he has a, a bunch of antique clocks. And so 
recently when I visited him is I've been working on this whole thing of, of being grounded and, and um, the ideas behind it, this idea of the clock, pendulum clock came to my mind. I said, hey, is there a clock that, that um, I could take back with me? And so we went up into his attic and, you know, he had all these old clocks up there. And there's an, a mission clock up there, which is a, uh, back from the 1800s, the early 1900s. Very simple pendulum clock. Um, and so I brought it back, wound it up, and didn't work. Um, wouldn't stay going. So I went and took it to the, the clock fix guy here in town, um, awesome guy. Little, little, little shed that he has is just full of uh, awesome clocks. And he went and, and he fixed it. He um, took it and, um, and so I took it back, hung it on my office and uh, started it. It worked great. But I knew I was, it has a, a chime to it, which I think is obnoxious to everybody else in the office except for me. So I thought, well, I'm going away on some vacation. I'm going to stop it. And then when I came back, it wouldn't work. <laughs> You'd start it, pendulum would swing, and then it would stop. And you know, if you think about it, it was at drop dead center. Drop dead center in a pendulum clock means it's dead. It's not working. It's no use. It's no value. It might look pretty, but it doesn't function in the way that it's supposed to. It doesn't provide what it is supposed to. And you see, when we think about this whole idea of, of life, then you know, the, this thing of, of being centered is one of the ways that we can look at it. But there's another way to look at it, and that is the idea that we are to live in the pendulum swing. This is that the way that life works isn't that you are to sit there and to find dead center and, and keep everything balanced, because I have this fan going right here, which obnoxiously blows this to keep it from being balanced because of a little breeze. But maybe that's not the way that life is supposed to work. Maybe that's not the way that life does work. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open it up into the Old Testament, um, into the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books. It's after Psalms and after Proverbs. Um, the book of Proverbs, so Psalms is usually in the middle of the book, about in the middle of the book when you open it up. Um, go to the right. Into the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Um, the writer of Ecclesiastes is um, sort of uh, content to, when you read it, you can tend to, to see a little bit of sort of the the professor with the pipe that seems maybe a little bit cynical um, in life. But there's sort of some deep resonance about talking about the reality of the way things are. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that is culturally very um, familiar, very positive. Songs have been written about it. Poems have been written about it. Um, it's gone beyond just the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Christian idea, to be recognized as, yeah, this is the way life is. In Ephesians, or in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, let me start reading. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, 
a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And as you, as you, you know, read those words or you hear those words, do you see, do you hear the rhythm of the wisdom writer speaking about the reality of the life that we live? That there is a pendulum swing that we live in. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And that is the life we live. If you look at the words of Paul, Paul in Romans 12, 15, he says these interesting words of Romans 12, um, is sort of this, uh, it seems like Paul's trying to get all of his last, you know, bits of wisdom together. In, in Romans 12, 15, he, he instructs us in the way that we're to live in community. He says, to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Well, hold on, you know, you're following Jesus. Everything's good. It's all about rejoicing, isn't it? You know, it's all happy because if you're living the centered life, if you've, you are completely centered on Jesus, then nothing bad is going to happen. Nothing hard is going to take place, right? Not so right. And Paul recognizes that, hey, everybody around us <laughs> is living the same reality that we are. Is, is that there is, there is weeping that is happening. And a part of community is to enter into the weeping of those who weep. There is rejoicing that is happening. And part of community is to enter into the rejoicing. And you know, um, sometimes those things show up really close to each other. Jesus, uh, when he is telling his disciples that he is preparing to, to go away, and, and in John chapter 16, and they're confused about what he's talking about and what he means and, and what's going on with that. And, and he says in, in John 16, verses 20 and 21, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And he's talking about when he is going to be crucified and he's going to um, eventually go to the, to the Heavenly Father and be with the Heavenly Father. He says, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he gives this, this very simple but profound example. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And in just those few words, he, he, he goes into life, the experience that we have had, and particularly a woman giving birth, and you know, it's like, what? I've heard. I had kidney stones, all right? So you know what? That, apparently, you know, they're, they're fairly close. But um, I'm like... Don't want to do that. 
But then there's that newborn baby laying on the mother's breast. I walked in this morning. I, I, there's, there's a weekly, what I've come to understand, a weekly ritual, a, a grandma ritual with uh, Sylvia Fuller, showing me um, animated pictures of her new grandbaby, right? And, and how fantastic and how wonderful uh, this, this baby is. And because, because he is. He's, he's, he's an amazing gift, creation of God, right? That joy is so much greater than the pain that, that came there. But the, it, it doesn't mean the pain was not there. What we are to have in our life as we follow Jesus is to have reshaped expectations about life. The, those, are, those are what I would call biblical expectations. One of the things reading the Bible does is to challenge our view of life. When we read the Bible, it challenges our expectations about how life should work, of how we should think about things. That, that's, that's one of the impacts, the effects of, of regularly reading Scripture is, is that it it messes with you. It should mess with you. Now, some people read the Bible as a proof text document. And what, what you, you read the Bible and you, you have this set of expectations, you have this set of beliefs, and you go through the Bible and you find everything that agrees with you. And if something doesn't agree with you, then you, you ignore it, you rip it out. You know, and this is very common in the world today in, in all kinds of areas. It's like if we see something that we don't like in the Bible, then we just essentially either mentally or maybe even physically rip that page out. And, and so the Bible becomes a proof text to prove that we are right. What we should be doing is reading Hebrews on a regular basis to remind ourselves of what God's word should be doing in our life. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, that's what, the, Spirit, that's what the, the Word of God does under the power of the Spirit of God in our life. And if you have been reading the Bible and it has not messed with your convictions and your beliefs and your expectations about yourself, life, or others, then you haven't been paying close enough attention. Because Scripture always will bring the tension. It will always reveal it is the thing that discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we are in this process, we are in this journey that the Bible refers to as sanctification, of becoming like Jesus, of growing and, and reflecting more and more the thoughts and the actions and the character of Jesus in our life. And we won't be fully sanctified, we won't be 100% there until we're on the other side of eternity. So, so here's a question for, for us this morning. And the question is this, is what are your expectations? What are your expectations? What are your expectations of yourself? 
or your expectations of yourself that you should be better than you are by this point? That you should be further along, you should be more holy, you should be more righteous, you should be more godly, you should read the Bible more, you should, you should, 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 should. What, what is it? See, anytime you have the should word comes up, that's an expectation. So what are your expectations? Well, how about what are your expectations of, of, of life? Of how life should treat you, how life should, you should be engaged in life. We were having this conversation uh, here recently um, about uh, just some per- per- perspectives and expectations of uh, a younger generation when we were talking about work. And, and I'd heard this sort of over and over again of like, I just want, I want to do things that I like. I just want, I want to do a job that, that I enjoy. And so there's sort of this jump, 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 jump. And, and which is very different from previous generations, right? The previous generations are, it's like, I'm going to do a job because I need to do this job to provide for my family or, or, you know, reach this goal or whatever. But the moment right now maybe doesn't matter as much as the longer term goal. There's much more of a sense of, well, I want to feel good now. That's an expectation of how life should be treating you, of how you should be experiencing life. What are your expectations of God? How do you expect God to speak to you? Or how do you expect God to, to show up? Or how do you expect God to bless you? Or how do you expect God to be judging you? What, do you? what are your expectations of others? What are your expectations of others? Do you, do you, do you have expectations that people are going to be better than they are? Do you have expectations that people are going to be worse than they are? Do you have expectations that people are going to be more mature than they are, or less mature than they are? What are your expectations of your spouse? What are your expectations of your children, of your grandchildren? We have them. We carry them. All of us do. You see, our expectations shape what we see. We talked a little bit about that last week. You know, we have this part of our brain, this reticular activating system that acts as a filter that s- supports the, the things that we want to see and filters out the things that we don't. It, it filters, allows through the things that are important to us and can filter out the things that aren't. All of us have that, and our expectations are a part of that filter. They shape what we see. Jesus said again in John 16 to his disciples, as he's preparing to go to heaven and, and to be crucified, he says, I, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you see the, do you see the tension there? Do you see the expectations that Jesus is challenging us? That there is peace. But the peace isn't out there. The peace is Jesus in here. What is the expectation? Pam and I had this great opportunity uh, to go at the beginning of the summer in June to go to um, 
uh, take a well-needed, <laughs> desperately needed vacation. We went to Maui uh, before everybody else showed up, which was sort of nice. And because um, rental cars were crazy, and also it was a great excuse for me um, to rent a motorcycle, uh, we rented a motorcycle instead of a car because it was a whole lot cheaper. And so for 11 days, 12 days, we went all over um, Maui on, on a motorcycle. And there's one section um, where it, it was, wasn't all that pretty. It was just sort of flat um, and sort of the neck, if you know, the Maui. And, and, and one direction was really great because you were going with the wind. <laughs> going the other direction, you were going against the wind. And it took about 10 minutes to get through this section, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun. But on the, the chasing the wind side, it was like, yeah, you know, this is great because the wind's behind us. You know, some of us are chasing the wind in the way that we're living our lives. You know, we're, we're chasing this balanced life. We have this expectation is, is that life owes me balance. Or somebody taught me that the 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 picture of godliness is that I'm going to be balanced. That the leader who is the best leader is the balanced leader. It's a fool's errand. No one lives balanced. No one. No one's centered. No one lives here. I mean, even right now, I'm, you see I'm moving my finger, right, in order to keep the balance. It's a fool's errand. We all live lives that are in the swing of the pendulum between hard and easy, between good and bad, joy and sorrow, peace and discontent. That's, that's Ecclesiastes 3. The measure of our spirituality the measure of our spirituality is not the ability to fake living on one side of the pendulum swing. Now, most people live, try to live as much as they can on the positive, right? You know, the happy, you know, all that type of thing. Some people can get, you know, stuck on the other one. But we have this sense of that, you know, what, what people expect and what I expect is, is that I'm going to live on the positive side And the measure of our spirituality is not the ability to fake living on the positive side of this pendulum swing. It's the ability to stay connected to the grace and presence of God no matter where the pendulum is. That's the measure of spirituality. It's the presence of Jesus no matter where the pendulum is swinging. Because have you, have you noticed... I mean, we have a lot of influence on where the pendulum swings, but have you noticed? Sometimes the fan's blowing. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, it's a, it's a proverb that um, has stuck with me. It, it, in Proverbs 30, it's sort of at the end of the, end of the book, a little bit of a summary. And it says, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name 
of my God. I mean, it's a really nice sentiment, right? I mean, but, but the writer of Proverbs there is talking about the centered life. It's like if, if, life, if life was just perfect, if I just didn't have too much, so I would, de- would deny you, you God, if I didn't, just didn't have too little so that I'm going to be hungry and I'm going to steal and, and bring dishonor to your name, then life will be good. And if Solomon, who was purported to, to write much of the, the, the wisdom literature, if Solomon was the person who actually wrote this, he failed. Because Solomon had more wisdom and more wealth, riches than anybody else. And what happened to him? He fell off. So he wasn't living. He didn't, you know, like, oh, I got too much gold. I'm going to give this away until I'm back into the center. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I have too many possessions. I have too many wives. I have too many concubines. I'm going to get rid of all that stuff and so I can just live right here in the center. The wisdom writers wishing life cooperated. And the truth is, if these are, again, Solomon's words, they didn't come true. It's a wish that we could have the Goldilocks life, right? Goldilocks just right. The porridge is just right. The bed is just right. My life is just right. And then I'm happy. We have a choice of the life that we will live in the swing of the pendulum. See, that's the thing that the that Proverbs that the wisdom writer didn't bring up there is, is that he had the choice of living, how he was going to live in the plenty and in the want. Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is where we are, keep coming back to in this series of being grounded. Godly wisdom is the application, is the righteous application of the knowledge of God, ourselves, and our experience. It's how we think, feel, and act that results in flourishing relationships. It results in the flourishing relationship with God, a flourishing relationship with, with ourself, and a flourishing relationship with others. It's this life of being grounded. Paul's words in Ephesians 3, so that you may dwell, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded may have strength, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the height or the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and to be filled to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the grounded life. That, 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 is, that is not the centered life. That's the grounded life. All the fullness of God. To have the strength to know the greatness of Christ's love wherever the pendulum is swinging wherever we find ourselves, being grounded is consistently living out of the love and the knowledge and the presence and the strength of Jesus. Being grounded is living wisely. So I have a, I have 
an exercise for you. I have something that I invite you to do over this next week. And what it will require is is that you sort of stop and you take uh, the time to begin to be aware of what are your expectations. And, And to notice when those expectations come up. To notice those expectations of your spouse, of your husband, of your wife, of your kids, of your grandkids, of the people that work for you, the people that you work for. And to, to name them, to, to write down that expectation. Where, where is this feeling coming from? Where is this action coming from? Where is this, this thought? Where, are these, where is this thinking coming from? What's the expectation behind this? And I introduced you a couple of weeks ago when we began the series, this prayer of surrender. This prayer of surrender. And the prayer of surrender is this, is Jesus, I surrender this expectation. So when you identify, what is that expectation that you have? Is is that you would bring that to Jesus and you would say, Jesus, I surrender this expectation to you. Come be with me and I choose to follow you. Come be with me and I'm going to follow you. And I want to give you a clue here. I want to give you what I'm not saying is, is that Barry, you know, say, oh, that's a bad expectation. You can't have that expectation. That's a wrong expectation. Oh, I know the Bible says that that's not good. So I'm, I, can't, I can't go there. Invite Jesus into that. Let Jesus fight for you. Let Jesus give you his truth, his reality. And that's the whole thing of, I am going to follow you. I am going to follow you because Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful to lead you into life. Because he said, I have come that you might have life and a life that overflows. An abundant life when we follow him. So... Next week, I want to invite you to come back and to to re-engage with me. And we're going to be talking about how God has made you. How has God created your thinking, your feeling, the way your brain works, the way your body works, the way your emotions work? How and how does that impact how we follow Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you do come and meet us right where we are and that you will lead us. Help us to have the courage to invite you into whatever expectation that you reveal to us, your spirit reveals to us this week. And as we, as we invite you into that expectation, Lord Jesus, give us the courage then to follow you into the place of life, of love, and of hope. Help us, Jesus, to be that also in the world to those around us, to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.